Hey guys, thanks for watching online. We are honored that you chose to give us this time. We have people watching from all over the world. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, please come and be a part of one of our local campuses because your experience with church shouldn't end online. It should just begin there or be a supplement to being involved in a local community. So come uh, be a part of one of our local campuses. And, and if you live outside of our area, please contact us. You can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email us. Uh, we will be glad to do some research where you live and find a good healthy church to recommend to you to plug into because we want you to be involved in a community. So we hope these messages bless you. Uh, let us know if we can help you in any way. Uh, God bless you again. Thanks for watching and I look forward to seeing you really soon. Now, as we look at Romans chapter 12, we've been going through uh, Romans, and we're in chapter 12. We're going to cover verses 3 through 8. This week is talking or looking through the message, uh, I was reminded, and uh, perhaps you are, uh, will, will be reminded of, the massive historical significance of the Apollo 11 uh, space mission. If you'll remember, uh, it was historical, massive. Buzz Aldrin, he piloted the spacecraft. Neil Armstrong, he took that one small step for man, one giant step for mankind as he became the very first human being to ever step foot on the moon, right? Massive historical significance that all of us know about, I hope. Uh, what you might not know is that there were over a million component parts in that spacecraft. A million. And, it, it, and it, it's crazy. It, all of them had to work together to make that mission a success. Now, think about it. If 99.9% of all of those component parts work together, that would have still meant 100 parts, more than 100, would fail, putting the mission at risk. Every part had to work together. God has designed the church and given the church a mission that makes the Apollo 11 mission look like a kindergarten science project. I mean, we have a massive mission. God gave the mission to the church of sharing the gospel with all nations, making disciples of all nations, everyone, everywhere, so people will be saved and God will be worshipped. And if we hope to be effective in that mission, then every member, every, all of those parts, all the members have to work together to accomplish the mission. The problem is, in churches all over the, the, the world, specifically in the nation, churches all over the nation only have about 20% on average of their people involved in the mission, and only, and less than 3%, get this, less than 3% giving to make the mission a reality. That, that's, that's a sad, sad thing. That's not how God designed the church. Imagine if the thousands, we have uh, approximately five, more than 5,000 people actively involved in LifePoint. If all of those thousands of people, all of them, would use their gifts, their talents, their skills, their passions, their abilities, and give their money to making the mission a reality, imagine what would happen. That's exactly what Paul's going to challenge us to do today in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. And our bottom line, our take home is this, live to serve. Live to serve. Now, I want to make a distinction because you hear us say live sent a lot. Well, you're going to start hearing us say live to serve. You're going to hear us say both. 
You need to live sent and you need to live to serve. And I want to make a distinction between what we're talking about because they're both biblical commands to the believer. Obviously, we are a sending church. If you've been around here any length of time, if you're new today, then you will soon find out you hear sending church and live sent a lot. We're a sending church. When, when you drive on the parking lot, we should have a sign out there that says the sending church. As you exit, it should say live sent. We talk about that a lot because God gave the mission to the church of sharing the gospel with all nations, everyone, everywhere, so that people would be saved and God would be worshiped. And so therefore, we send people. We send people across the ocean to be cross-cultural missionaries, to share the gospel with people in Bangkok and in Brussels and in in India and other parts of the world. And we want to send some of you because I believe God's calling some of you to pack up and move out. But Living sin is not limited to those who pack up and move out. It's not limited to those who who quit their job and, and move to a different country. It's for every Christian, right? Some move to a different country, but most of us won't. Most of us will live right here. And we want to send people across the, the ocean, but we want to send you across the street, across the living room, across the ball field, across the hallway in school, whatever domain you live in. So living scent is this. When you exit these doors, when you go off of this parking lot, that's where you're living scent. That's externally focused living scent, sharing the gospel, building relationships with people so that you can have the context to share the gospel. So as I said, as you come in, it, you should say live, uh, the sending church, as you exit living scent to remind you that you are to live sent involves everything out those doors, externally focused, right? Now, live to serve means what you do in this context. Every believer is designed by God, empowered by God to share the gospel. That's not just for a few people. It's not just for a few people to live sent. Uh, God didn't save uh, 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 everybody and just assign a few the task of evangelism. That's every Christian's job. Well, God also didn't just assign a few the task of serving the saints. Every Christian is to share the gospel and serve the saints. Every Christian is to live sin and live to serve. And so when we talk about living sin, it's outside of those walls off the parking lot. It's external. When we talk about living to serve, it's inside of these walls. It's serving the saints. It's serving the church. Okay? And so, so I, I want to make sure you hear that distinction because you're going to hear them both and you're going to start hearing them both uh, uh, around here. And so let me read uh, uh, verse 3. Let's go ahead and dive in and read verse 3. Here we go. It says this. Paul says, for by grace given to me. Last week, remember, he said, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Here he says, by the grace given to me. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Everyone. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the church. So he's writing to every person in the church. There's no distinction. There's no, well, you guys are the evangelists and you guys are the servants. You guys are to share your faith and you guys are to serve the saints. No, it's you guys are to share your faith and you guys are to serve the saints. All of you. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, in verses 1 and 2, Paul said God's mercy demands total commitment, right? God's mercy demands, because of God's mercy, you should offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, don't just give Jesus your heart. Give him everything you have. Give him your mind, give him your body, give him, your, give him everything. You go all in. 
And how do you do that? He told us what to do in verse 1 and verse 2. He said, how? Do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed. Don't, don't look like the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, here's how you offer your body. You, give, you go all in. You give him everything. And how you live that is you have to change your mind about how you live. Because the Holy Spirit invades you. When the Holy Spirit invades you, then he gives you power. When you saturate your mind with the Word of God, you read the Scripture, you listen to sermons, all those things, he begins to change how you think. He begins to change how you think about things. You once, if you were an adult when you were saved, then you realized that you once thought one way about sex, you begin to think another after your mind is renewed. You once thought one way about money, you begin to think another. You once thought one way about relationships and marriage, you begin to think another. The same is true for the church. Before you were saved, you think one way about the church and about, uh, uh, now you begin to think a completely different way about the church and your role in the church, right? I mean, I mean, your mind changes about what your role is. A study, there was a study uh, not too long ago on a thousand different churches. The uh, researchers conducted a study. They said, okay, we're going to take a thousand different churches. They uh, surveyed the members of a thousand churches. Here's one of the questions they ask. What's the mission of the church? Why does the church exist? Now, to be quite honest with you, I hope if they ask LifePoint this question, the answers would be different. But 89% of the members of a thousand churches responded by saying that the, the church exists to meet the needs of me and my family. 89%. That's not just uh, most, that's an overwhelming, sad majority, believe the church exists to meet the needs of me and my family. Now, folks, don't get me wrong and don't mishear what I'm saying. The church should be a place where your needs are met. We're a family here. You meet the needs of your family, right? Uh, it should be a place where your needs are met. So don't hear me to say we're not interested in your needs at all, but we must understand and get first things first and know why we exist, right? Those things happen as we do what we were created to do. We exist to share the gospel with all nations, everyone, everywhere, so people will be saved and God will be worshiped. And when we get that upside down, it leads to divided and diseased churches, when we don't understand why we exist, we become ineffective and unhealthy, right? And so, so when we are, are, are redeemed and we're renewed, God begins to change our mind about what the church is all about. You see, most people, we're focused on ourselves, right? We're, we're, we have this focus to where we're the center of the universe and everything's about us and we want our, and, and, and we see it. I mean, all we got to do is look at our world. We see commitments of people in everything, whether it's marriage or friendships or church. We see people who say, man, I'm in it as long as it's good for me, I won't, as long as it scratches my itch, as long as my needs are met, as long as I feel it, man, I'm in it. But when, when, I, don't, when I stop feeling it or you're not scratching my itch anymore, or man, I feel like you're not meeting my needs, man, we bounce out of marriages, out of friendships, out of churches. Man, but here's what happens. When your mind is renewed, your marriage becomes much stronger, much richer. Your friendships become much richer. Your churches become much richer. Why? Because now it's like I'm not the center of everything. Now I, I, I'm more interested in serving than I am in being served. I'm more interested in giving than getting. 
It's not just show me the love, it's how can I show you love? You see, that's what happens as your mind becomes renewed. You, you begin to think differently about the church and about your role in the church. And in, in verses one and two, Paul said, last week we looked at that, Paul in saying, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, he said, by the mercies of God, give everything you have to God. Offer yourselves to God. Go all in with God. In three through eight, he's gonna say, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, because of the grace of God, give everything you have to each other. In verses one and two, give everything to God. In verses three through eight, give everything to each other. In verses one and two, serve God. In verses three through eight, serve each other, right? Serve each other. And so, because of the grace of God, Paul spent 11 chapters unwrapping the marvelous gift of God's grace. He spent 11 chapters uh, talking about God's grace and how amazing God's grace is. I don't think any of you here today who are Christians, see, if you're not a Christian yet, you're trying to figure out how, what you can do to be right with God. If you are a believer, especially if you've been here because we preach this so much, if you are a believer, I don't think any of you would say, I'm a believer because I deserve it. I don't think any of you would say, I'm a believer because I earned it. You would say, I'm a Christian because of the magnificent grace of God. It's all grace, all Jesus. God saved you by grace. And by grace, the moment he saved you, here's what the Bible teaches happens. In a miraculous, supernatural way, God saved you. And then by grace, the Holy Spirit invades your life, moves in, because your sin is now atoned for. It's, it, your sin is, you've been redeemed from the, the, the death of sin, and so now the Holy Spirit moves in. And when he moves in, he doesn't just move in to just say, hey man, what's going on? He moves in to empower you to share the gospel and serve the saints. To, he empowers you to live sin and to live to serve. Acts 1.8, he says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He empowers you to, to live sent. And then here in verses 3 through 8, in 1 Corinthians 12, in many places, he's going to say he empowers you to live to serve, to share the gospel and to serve the saints. And that, that, that's, that's what we see is going on. You were saved by grace, and, and he, he, he saved you by grace and empowered you by grace. Now, here's what Paul, he comes in and says, by the grace given to me, by that grace, you see, by the grace, I challenge you to not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but, but think about yourself in a sober-minded way. In other words, don't get drunk on yourself, folks. Many people get drunk on themselves, right? Many people think, man, I'm it. And we're just drunk with ourselves. You know, you've heard people say we can be drunk with love. We, many people are just drunk on themselves. Paul said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't think of yourself that way. You're not the center of, of God's universe. Don't, don't think of yourself that way. If anyone had reason to brag about what he was doing, it would be Paul, right? Paul, if any Christian ever had reason to brag about, man, his role in the kingdom, it'd be Paul. I mean, think about Paul. He is part of what we would consider the Christian Hall of Fame. But rather than wearing his championship ring, Paul said something like this. Paul said, you know what, I, I don't, uh, I, 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 Paul, Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles. He said, when it comes to sinning, I'm the undisputed heavyweight champion because I am the chief of all sinners. That's what Paul said. I mean, I mean, Paul, if anyone could brag, it was Paul, but he didn't. Paul said, I'm not an apostle because I'm special. I'm an apostle because of God's grace. He, he said, I'm not, I'm not an, God didn't say, oh, Paul, you're great. Won't you be my apostle? He said, no, I'm an apostle because of God's grace, not my greatness. I'm an apostle because God's good, not me. Paul knew that. 
And he, he accomplished major, major, major stuff for the church and for the kingdom. Why? Because Paul gave his everything to living sin and living to serve. Paul wasn't in it as long as he felt it. I mean, when you're being stoned on the side of the road and left for dead, that wasn't feeling it. I'd get up feeling something different, right? So Paul wasn't in it as long as he felt it. He wasn't in it as long as that we scratched his back and, and scratched his itch and met his needs. And No, he was in it for the kingdom. He was committed to God. He gave his everything to God and to the saints. He gave his everything to God and to the church. And he accomplished so much. And so today we're challenging you to live sent and to live to serve. Now let me look at verses 4 and 5. He says in verses 4 and 5, uh, he, he says, For as in one body we have many members. For as in one body we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. See, we're one body, many members. We don't all do the same thing, but we all do something. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, Paul uses the analogy of a body to help us get a picture of the church. He does in 1 Corinthians 12. By the way, 1 Corinthians 12 is the parallel passage for Romans 12. He talks about the same thing. The church being a body, people being endowed with spiritual gifts and using those spiritual gifts to build up and serve one another in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12. You can go read it. It's a parallel passage. He does that, and I think it's beautiful that God uses a body in his word to clue us in on what the church is all about. You know, a body is one of the most complex and magnificent uh, creations of God. Think about your body. It has over 200 bones. It has over 650 muscles. It has 210 cell types in your body, right? There's hundreds of organs, systems, and parts that work together to give you life. And so in using the body, God's wanting us to understand something about the church. He says, look, the building is not the church. Don't refer to the building as the church. This is simply the place where the church meets right? God has blessed us with a meeting place. This building is our meeting place. The church comes here to worship and to serve the saints and encourage the saints and to build up the saints and to send you out scattered to share the gospel, right? But the church is the people. And the church is made up of many different people uh, who have many different gifts, abilities, passions, functions. That's how God designed the church, right? I mean, think about it. Uh, I mean, we're all different, right? The world sees that as, as man, that that's, divides the world. But this is beautiful in God. We're all different. If we're, all not, we're not all preachers. Thank the Lord, right? Wouldn't that be sad if we're all preachers? Man, we'd dream a lot. We'd talk a lot, but we wouldn't do much, would we? I mean, if we were all musicians, man, uh, uh, we'd, 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 we'd sound good, but we'd stay up all night and sleep all day, wouldn't we? I, I mean, we are different. We're, we're, we're different, and, and God has made us different. In 1 Corinthians 12, here's what Paul says about the body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he's placed each member of the body exactly where he wants that member to be. Now, I believe in God's Word. Here's what God's Word says. If you're here in this body, it's because God placed you here. You might have moved into town. You thought, man, I'm moving for my job, and I just happened upon his church. No. See, I believe God's in control of every minute detail. And I believe that God brought you here from wherever you are because he wants to use you here for his kingdom. He placed you here. That means your membership is important. It means it's not arbitrary. Don't take it flippantly. 
right? That means if God placed you here, he, he wants to use you here. And too many people take it flippantly and say, well, it's not scratching my itch and bounce. And no, no, no. If you're, not, if you're a member of this church and you're not committed or you're, not, or you're on the bench or you bounce, you're hurting the body because God placed you here to be a part of this place, to serve in this place. And, and, and he says, therefore, you need to do what you do, right? Do what you do. What did God gift you and give you the talents and the skills to do? Because in the church, what happens, and what I think was happening in Corinth, what I know was happening in Corinth, and what I think was happening in Rome is people were looking at the people with the more visible task and say, oh man, I, I can't do that. And their gift's more important than mine. Paul said, no, 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 no. It is your, it, I mean, it could be argued that your heart or your brain would be some of the most important organs you have. You can't see anybody's internal organs, but you can't live without them, right? I mean, every part is important. Do what you do. And here's why that's important, right? Because, uh, uh, man, I've coached football long enough, youth football. I coached fo youth football for 13 years here in, in, in Smyrna. And I coached youth football long enough to know that every daddy thinks his son should be the quarterback. You know what I'm talking about. Every, I mean, he might be 250 pounds, slower than a one-legged dog on tranquilizers. Can't throw the ball in the ocean, but he needs to be the quarterback. I'm like, no, he needs to play guard, right? If he tries to play quarterback, he's going to hurt our team. We're not going to win. You realize that. Your son can't throw in the ocean. Don't tell him he can be anything he wants to be. He's never going to be a high wire you know, he's never going to do high wire act. I mean, listen, be what you are, what you're created to be, right? I mean, don't try to be, don't, if, you're, if, you're, if your position is guard, play guard. Don't look at the quarterback and say, oh, I just want to be the quarterback. Just play your position. If you're the quarterback, don't want to play receiver. Play your position, right? I, I mean, listen, you, you've seen those American Idol. Back when American Idol, it's off the air now, right? But back when American Idol, you all watched the show. When you watched it, you watched the auditions, and you were all like embarrassed for some of the people. And you were like, where is your mama? And what's sad is half their mama said, oh, honey, you're a good singer. Sad. Somebody needed to say, don't embarrass her. Quit. You can't sing a lick. And it's sad because we, we, we've been in churches where that's happened. I mean, how many of you have been to church? I have many times. How many of you have been to church when you walk in and the lady singing on stage, it's like, oh, God love her, bless her heart, right? <laughs> I mean, there's tears all over the auditorium. But it's not the special kind of, it is the special kind of tears. Like, oh, Lord. And you say, why is she singing? Well, Pat, she's got a good heart. And I'm like, well, that'd be great if you could plug the mic into her heart, but you can't do that. She's hurting the church. I don't necessarily want to come back next week. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, no, don't do that. So, you know, that's why a lot of you, man, everybody comes in and wants to sing. We ain't letting most of you sing, okay? Just so you know that. We're going to tell you if you can't, we love you too much, right? We love you too much to let you make a fool of yourself and make us look bad. So we're not going to let everybody sing, all right? Don't be drunk on you. Be sober about who you are and what your gifts are, right? Be sober-minded about who you are and what your gifts are. and Don't be drunk on you. And then you know what? Just know this, man. I, I, I know, I know, man, I, I, I'm the greatest at everything I do, right? And you do too. 
I mean, you, we, 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 it's hard for us to give a, a great evaluation of our own self. I mean, it takes a re- So you've got to trust everybody else around you to say, no, that's probably not where you belong. Right? You might belong here. So, so think sober about yourself. And, 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 and these things, if we, every member does their part, oh, you, you know how beautiful it is? Man, it, it creates unity. Now, see, unity doesn't mean identity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Unity does not mean identity. Okay? In other words, unified doesn't mean we all look alike, think alike, dress alike. You see, that's a cult. That's not a church. Okay? We don't all dress alike. We don't all look alike. We don't all think alike. Uh, uh, Unity uh, is diversity. When people are diverse and they're doing their jobs, that creates unity. And, 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 And that's what we are at LifePoint. We have many, think of the different parts and pieces that we have at LifePoint. Man, I mean, you can look around and think we, we look different. We have, man, we have people who are richer, people who are poorer, right? We have people who are older, people who are younger. I mean, we have, uh, we have jocks and we have geeks, right? I mean, we have, uh, uh, we have flip-flops and we have ties, right? I mean, man, we have black and white and, and, and yellow and, and red. And I mean, we have every, we have people from, we have European and African and, and, and American. Man, we have Republicans and Democrats and a whole bunch that don't want to be either, right? I mean, we have everything. And you know what? Those things would divide the world. Those things divide the world. They set up barriers that divide the world. That's what makes the gospel so beautiful because people look in and they say, look at those Jews and those Gentiles in the first church and they actually love each other and they hated each other last week, but they got saved on Sunday and now they love each other. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Beautiful picture. They're serving each other. Man, those are Republicans and Democrats. And man, we know they fight, not in church because the gospel Unites, we lay all those preferences down at the cross. And that's a beautiful picture of what happens. And not only is it a beautiful picture, but then we bring in all those passions and all those talents and all those gifts, and we we use them to serve the saints for the glory of God so that people can go out and share the gospel so people will be saved and God will be glorified. Let's finish it out in verses 6 through 8. He says, having gifts that differ. See, we all have different gifts having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. See, it's grace again. God gives you that gift by grace. So don't think whatever your gift is, I can't think, man, you know, I can preach, or, or you can't think, man, I can lead, or I can do this. Whatever you have was given to you by God's grace, okay? It was given by God's grace, so let us use them. Let us use them, he said. I mean, that, that means whatever God's given you to do, do it. Don't let it sit idle. You, 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 there's no bench in, in Christianity. There's no bench, okay? Get off the bench and get in the game because we've got to use our gifts. If prophecy, then he lists seven gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, uh, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, uh, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does uh, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Great passage. And in these verses, he, he, gives us, he gives us seven, a list of seven gifts. Now, let me say a few things about gifts. One, this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts. He gives other lists other places, Right? And, and they differ. And I don't think you take all those lists and put them together. I really don't even, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't conclude that the, all of them are listed in the Bible. 
okay? And I, I wouldn't conclude that they're all there. He gives them as, as an example, okay? Now, that, that's the one thing about This is not all of them. That's, that's the one. The other is gifts are different than talents. I mean, Travis ha, can play the guitar mean. That is a talent that's not a spiritual gift. Travis can sing. He's got a butter voice, right? You know, I mean, his voice is butter, you know. I mean, it's great. He can sing. That's not a spiritual gift, right? Elton John, far from Jesus, can play the piano like nobody else and has got a great voice, right? I mean, many, many public speakers. Public speaking is a skill. It's not a, it's a talent. It's not a gift. Spiritual gift, right? Many public speakers, leaders, leadership is not here you see leadership as a gift, but there are many, many, many great world leaders that are not Christians, right? I mean, we, we see, so what does, what's the difference in a skill or talent, you know, because some of you got amazing talents. You're going to go home and you're going to watch football today and by, man, shoot, I shouldn't even said that word today, football. I wish somebody from Alabama would stand up. You need to be hit. <laughs> Come on up here, buddy. Because nobody hit Alabama last night, did they? <laughs> oh, Lord, help. I didn't want to grind an axe in the pulpit. Oh, I didn't want to grind an axe. Now I'm bitter. Uh. <laughs> but you know what? I, I watched that football game, and Alabama's got a lot of talented players. And most of them aren't Christians, right? Nor, nor are Tennessee's. They just, I don't know if they had a lot of talented players. They did. <laughs> they did. They do. I'm going to go watch football today, man. I'm going to watch a lot of quarterbacks do crazy things. Crazy things. I'm going to go, are you kidding me? Most of them aren't Christians. Talent's crazy, right? Talent. Everybody's got talents. That's the way God wired you. And he even uses the talents of non-Christians to do great things in the world. Doesn't he? So talents are, but spiritual gifts are different. What's a spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is the moment you are redeemed, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit invaded you. The Holy Spirit invaded you. And when he invaded you, he lives within you. And he empowers you to do things for the kingdom. And so those are spiritual gifts, right? Now, public speaking is a talent, but preaching is a spiritual gift. Okay, and so, so what happens is I don't, I don't really even want you to get hung up and caught up in what is your gift uh, as far as doing a spiritual gift. There's nothing wrong with them if you do them great. If you, but I don't want you to get hung up on what you think that was and, because I think it's dynamic. I think depending on the context you're in, that can even change your gift, right? I mean, we, we, we know that when missionaries go, and man, they're sort of loners, and God gifts them to do a lot of things. And so, so the bottom line is, here, here's the deal. What kind of skill do you have? What kind of talent do you have? What are you passionate about? See, we're passionate about different things, right? God is going to empower you and gift you. He says prophecy. You see, that's what, that's what prophecy is, is basically the New Testament equivalent to, I mean, the preacher is the New Testament equivalent of a prophet. A prophet's not somebody that can predict the future, right? Now, he foretells the future. I can tell you, this is what the gospel says. This is who Jesus is. You don't give your life to him, uh, you're going to regret it, right? I mean, uh, you're gonna, that's foretelling the future. Continue living like this. It's going to bring, that's foretelling the future, right? But prophecy is basically preaching. Everybody, he says service here, but everybody's commanded to serve. But there are people, there are people who have a special passion and compassion for vulnerable, lonely, oppressed people. 
right? I mean, man, it's just, I, I've just got to give my life every moment. I'm thinking about serving vulnerable people, right? That doesn't mean, well, only a few are to serve the church. No, it means he's really given that, and, you, and when he's giving you that, you need to go hard at it. I mean, we got some people in our church, got named Boyd Arms, right? Love Boyd Arms. Boyd Arms is an incredible dude, and I've known him for years. He is, he is retired, and you know what he did? He retired, man, and he said, well, I'm retired. I've done my job. I'm kicking back. No, he retired, moved in at Weary Housing, and you know what? The, he, he, man, he's knocking on doors, giving out food every day. He's, he's more, and he serves that community like nobody. I mean, amazing servant of God. Um, uh, the Burks in our church, TJ and Lisa Burke, right? Lisa, I mean, God has given that woman an incredible, and TJ too, but Lisa, you can just see it. God's given her a passion for vulnerable people. So she started a ministry in our church years ago called Room in the Inn, right? I mean, it's a nationwide ministry. She started it here, Room in the Inn, where we take homeless men in every Friday night. We go, we go get them. We bring them back here. They sleep in our church. They take showers here. We have come in. We feed them. People give them haircuts. I, I mean, it, she loves that, right? That's, that's, that's a gift of service. God's just overwhelmed her with it. Now, are we to all serve? Absolutely. But it's like giving, giving. He said, let them give in generosity. Now, does that mean giving is for a few Christians? No. Every Christian, if you're redeemed, you're commanded to tithe 10% of your money. That's a command for everybody. And even give generously. But there are some that, man, I, I mean, I just want to give everything I got. Right? There are some like that. My pastor in Texas, he, he, had been, he was a blessed and man, he managed his money well, because there are some people that's frivolous. He managed his money well. But his wife, when I was in seminary, I was associate pastor at First Baptist Greenville, and the pastor there, his name was Dole Summerall. His wife had to give him an allowance every day. And she had to give him an allowance because he's not coming home with a dime in his pocket. Not because he went and blew it, because he's going to go buy somebody's lunch. He's going to see you on the street and go buy you your, your meal. He's going to come in and, and want to do this for you. That's him. I mean, he had this heart of generosity, and so he did it, right? So listen, what gift and what passion and what talent, right? That, that's what you need to focus on. What's my skill? What's my talent? And all those can be used in any ministry. Some of you would look up and say, I mean, for instance, you'd look up and say, oh, speaking on the stage, I, I could never do that. You're like, <gasps> you lock up. Well, guess what? I do the same thing every time I walk down the children's hall and look in a room with 15 kids in it. I'm like, <gasps> You wouldn't want me serving in that room in that capacity. I don't want some of you singing. You don't want me in the children's ministry. Okay? I, I need to do what I can do, what I'm gifted to do. Children ain't it. I got five of them. I'm surviving. Okay? I barely take care of mine. I can't take care of yours. So do what God has called me to do, gifted me. So what's God created you to do? What's your skill? Man, what kind of talent do you have? Some of you can teach. Man, we got some people in our children's ministry. I, I, well, I'm a marvel. I marvel. When children come, I don't even feel comfortable sharing the gospel with them because I'm thinking, I, am I, I getting down there and talk? Man, and I look at some of our children, some of our people, Bridget and some of our people, they can share the gospel with a child. And I'm like, dude, you are the bomb. I wish I could do that. I really do. But then God reminds me, not what I gave you to do. Celebrate them. Let them do it. Now, does that mean I share the gospel? Absolutely. Absolutely. But man, I marvel at those people, right? And it's great what God has called you and equipped you. 
And let me tell you what's going to happen this Sunday, next Sunday, because it happens every Sunday. This is some of your story. There's going to be a lady here in Middle Tennessee, and she's going to, she's been, she's, a, she's a Christian. Her husband's not. She comes to church. He doesn't. And she, and she's at Life Point, and she has been begging him to come to church for years. It's starting to hit home, isn't it, for a lot of you. Man, you remember this story. You're living it now. She's been begging him to come to church for years. And guess what? All of a sudden, next week, he's going to say, okay, I'll go with you one time. She is beside herself excited. She prays for him all week. She's so excited all week. You know what she's going to do next Sunday? She's going to get up next Sunday earlier than ever because she wants to make sure the kids are ready. She wants to make sure breakfast is done. She wants to get, make sure every, no, there's no distractions. She gets up early. He gets up late because he's dragging his feet because he really don't want to come. They get in the car, and man, when they get in the car, she just, I can't believe this is happening. And she's not talking to him on, church, on the way to church because you know what? She's talking to the Lord. She's praying every roll of the tire. She's praying. And here's what she's praying. She's praying things like this. You know you've been there. She's praying things like this. God, I pray that when we get to the church and we walk in the doors, please help the greeters to be just so nice. Help them to overwhelm him with kindness. Because he is going to be looking for every reason to say he don't want to go back. He's going to be looking for every negative thing he can think of. Please help the greeters to be so kind. We're going to take our daughter to the children's and he's going to walk down with me. I pray that her teacher is so kind and she wants to run in and he sees her friends and the people in there serving and people are greeting him as he walks down the hall. And I pray that as we go to the, to the, to the coffee bar, we're going to get some coffee. And, and man, I, I pray that people who are standing around, that it wouldn't be like standing around when people are upset because, you know, I pray that people would be standing around and they would see joy on their face and the people serving him would be incredible. I, I pray, God, when we walk in the auditorium, walking down the hall, people would greet us. And I pray when we walk in and we sit down in the auditorium, I pray that Pat would not chase so many stupid squirrels this week. I pray that when Travis plays, you know, that he, he had hit all the notes and, and man, that, that his, he, he, he wouldn't break any string. I mean, he, he, she's, he's, she's praying all these things. And you know what she's praying? Here's what she's praying. God, I pray that the people do what you've gifted them to do. I pray that people are on the bench. I pray that people are getting off the bench and getting on the field and in the game, doing what you've called them to do. That's why she's praying. And so, folks, I'm challenging you. Now, let me tell you, we need 328 open positions here serving in our church at this campus. Now, we need you involved. I say that because some of you sit along and we say that, and some of you say, it's a large church, thousands of people, so somebody's going to do it. I don't have to do wrong. We need you. Okay, now let me flip that up on its head and say, I'm not just preaching this because we need you, and we do. I'm preaching this because you need it. You were created to do it. Our job is to equip you, release you. Your job is, if you're not serving, if you're not living sent in our community, you're not obeying God. If you're a Christian and you're not living to serve by serving the saints, you're not obeying God. He gifted you. He equipped you. Listen, you need it, we need it. So uh, today, I challenge you to get involved. You got that sheet, you got that sheet, and man, there's all kind of different things you can do. We got down the hallway, we've got booths for children, we've got booths for students, adults, worship, production, creative, uh, facilities. We, we've got, uh, man, and it's not limited. We've got, I, I, I want some of you, I need some of you to get up and go down that hallway and say, I, man, I, I, I've got, these kind of skills and these kind of, I love students.
Go to the student ministry booth. I love children. Go to the children's ministry booth. I love doing this. I love, I don't know, production. I love work. Go, we need you. But you need it as much as we need you. You need it because you need to do what God's called you. You need to live sent. You need to live serve. You need to be external. You need to be internal. You need to share the gospel. You need to serve the saints. Okay? We're getting ready to baptize. We baptized like 13 people the first service. I think we're baptizing six in this one. These are all people who are being baptized into the church. Right? They came, they heard the gospel because many people served. Create a context. We need more people serving. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Travis is going to come. He's going to lead us. And he's going to use his talents in playing and singing. And the band, the choir, they're going to use their talents in playing and singing. And God's going to empower that to go and do incredible things. And as we're doing that, we're going to respond. We're going to respond by taking up our tithes and offerings. Oh, we're way above 3% here. We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings. Well, that's a response. Some of you, man, we hope you respond by coming and saying, I I want to get, I, I, I need to know how to give my life to Jesus. We'd love to talk to you. Back in the next steps, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, we're going we're, we're to respond by worship. We're going to baptize. We baptize. Man, we don't ever take that for granted, folks. We baptize about, I don't know, 20 people or so today. 19, 20 people in a Sunday. Don't take that for granted. Okay? Don't take it for granted. Worship. Respond by going down that hallway and saying, I can do this. I, I want to know more information about this. And we will follow up with you. And, and listen, if you don't like that, we'll follow up and put you involved somewhere else. Right? We want you to love it. And we want to love it. And so we want to put you where you love to be and where you are designed to be. So get involved. Get involved. That's the plea. That's the cry. For us and for, your, for our sake, for your sake, for the kingdom's sake. Get involved. Let's pray, and when we do, uh, we're going we're gonna to respond, and we're going to baptize, and, and, and we're going to continue just worshiping the Lord. And Travis will dismiss you after baptisms and after he's through. And so, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Don't pass up the, the hallway down there. If you go out this way, take a right this time before you go out, all right? Let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for equipping us, saving us, equipping us to serve you. You are an incredible God. God, we need people to serve you in this church so that we can be effective. But God, it's not just that we need people to serve. It's that the people need to serve because you've commanded them to. You've empowered them, gifted them to. And I pray that we would have no bench here at LifePoint. God, I pray we would have no bench God, I know that sometimes people need to get well. Sometimes, Lord, people uh, need to come off the field for a moment to get a breath of air. But God, help us to have a place to where we give them that air and then get them back in the game, God, not a bench. God, I pray that people would serve you. People would live sent and live to serve, share the gospel, serve the saints that we would be focused externally and focused internally. God, I pray thank you for your word, and I pray that we would obey it. Thank you for these that we're baptizing now, Jesus. You saved them. God, as they're baptized, is a symbol of that. God, they won't be perfect. We know that. But God, I pray that they would honor you, and I know you will do great things in their life. In Jesus' name, thank you for this privilege. Amen.